Welcome everyone to Popcorn Peeps episode 9, the podcast in which we venture through the Hollywood Reporter's top 100 films of all time and give our thoughts along the way. Today's episode features Up, the Pixar 2009 animated film directed by Pete Docter, starring Ed Ansner, Christopher Plummer, and Jordan Nagai. This is Pixar's 10th feature-like film, and it won two Academy Awards, including Best Picture, making it the second animated film in history to do so, following Beauty and the Beast in 1991. I am joined today by balloon salesman, Sarah Alexander. Hello! And talking dog, Christopher Moore. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Who? And talking dog, Christopher Moore. You want to try a uh, third time? Cra- and talking dog, Craig, Craig Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought Chris was going to be the dog. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> No, because last week I told Chris he could be lovely. So, introducing the lovely Christopher McMullen. Good evening, everyone. Ooh, well said. <laughs> so, before we get into our discussion of Up, I would like to make note that this is Popcorn Peep's first foray into the animated film genre. So, I would just like to get your quick opinions on how you view animation as a medium and how you compare and contrast that to traditional live action filmmaking. I have no issue with it. I loved it. I thought this was a great story. Everything was amazing. I don't know if it would have been as good if it was live action. Why do you hate anime then? Because of you. Check me. She's not a pervert. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen your keyboard. I think anime and animation provides the creators a lot more freedom than live action films do. And you look at some films that try to bridge the gap with things like Avatar and, you know, some of the Star Wars CGI that sometimes misses the mark. When you have animated films, you can really be true to your vision. And I think that Pixar regularly nails that. I think Pixar is one of the animation studios that continues to raise the bar again and again with the quality of their artistic vision, specifically in the visual and sound department. I think they're doing some great stuff and it's really exciting to see kind of how much detail you can cram into CGI at this point. Super cool. I have no issue either way. Like they're just different ways of expressing the visual medium. I don't discount something just because it's animated or elevate something because it's uh, live action. That's fair. I actually think my preferred medium is animated just because there are so many more ways I think you can portray a character design or specific art style. It doesn't restrict you nearly as much because there's so many different ways you can draw a head, draw a face, draw a flame, a puff of smoke. And I think that gives every show an opportunity to be so much more diverse. I think one of the things that animation really gives an opportunity to shine is very, very good voice actors who can give you a lot of emotion, but you never see their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you guys think of Up specifically? 10 out of 10. Uh, other than the parts where it made me cry, I loved it because I'm, uh, I'm a grown man and I like to pretend that I don't cry. So it makes it difficult to face that. I was looking up details around this movie and Wikipedia has the audacity to call this a comedy. Holy smokes. What the hell? We watched the first 15 minutes of this movie and then someone tries to tell you it's a comedy? Yeah. Hell no. This is a tragedy, <laughs> if anything. Had you seen it before? No, this was my first time watching it. Oh, wow. Okay. I had seen it before and I thought I was ready to see it again and it turned out I wasn't. I was not ready. The open wound of losing my grandparents. I saw this movie oh. before I lost my grandparents and the open wound of losing my grandparents and then watching the movie again made it very painful. 
Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. I can imagine. That's a lot of feels. That first segment, the first 15 minutes or so, is probably the best 15 minutes of movie that I've seen on this list thus far of any of the films we've covered. It hits so hard. And just the fact that it can elicit such a powerful emotional response in such a little amount of time is just a testament to the brilliance that went into that. And very little dialogue, too. Yeah. He didn't say a word through that whole first 15 minutes. Yeah, whoever did the storyboards, yeah. give them a raise, man. <laughs> For me, I'm the opposite of Craig. The parts that made me cry are the parts I actually liked. Uh, yeah, so when I say they hurt, like they hurt emotionally, but I have no problem with having a story make me feel emotion. That means it was an incredibly well told story. I liked it, but it made me really sad. Yeah, if a guy who looks like Minecraft Steve can make you cry, hot damn, you've done a good job. I would have seen this when it first came out 10, 11 years ago now, and I'm, I'm glad that I got to watch it again now, being older. And I have a different relationship with my grandparents now, and just being cognizant of that and aging and then watching this this movie I think I cried more now than I did when I would have first seen it oh I was a wreck wow yeah I didn't actually watch much of the movie because it was all blurred through the tears <laughs> <laughs> okay so here's a question for you guys so I thought the first 15 minutes of this film were astoundingly good but it felt like right after the prologue ended there was a clear divide and it almost felt like two entirely different films there was before and then there was with Russell moving on in the whole adventure did you guys not feel like the contrast between those two eras of the film were really jarring there was the good part and then the dumb part. So do you think the whole hour after the intro is the dumb part? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I think that there was several dumb parts that clearly were just there to be goofy humor, to entertain the kids who brought their parents. And then there was the movie that was there for adults to watch and understand what was happening. Yeah. The parts about, you know, when Carl's rushing around his house trying to save all the things his wife loved as the as it's spinning through the thunderstorm. That's a very awesome emotional moment of this man who's just not ready to let go. So yes, there's the two stories, right? There's the prologue and then there's the adventure. And it doesn't really make sense to you until it makes sense to Carl at the same time when he's going through his wife's book, her adventure book that she had from when she was a little girl. And he gets to the last page and it says, thanks for the adventure, now go have a new one. And he realizes that it's time for him to move on as well. Mm -hmm. And none of that was moved forward by everything with that stupid kid at all. I think it hey, was. Russell is important. Russell yeah, I, Russell I don't. Was. I did not like this movie. I liked the first 15 minutes and almost nothing else. But I will say Russell did play a pivotal role in helping Carl realize what his wife was trying to tell him the whole time. Go have a new adventure. Did he though? Oh, so I read an awesome piece from the director and he said he was talking about symbolism in the film. And I really, really liked this. He said, Carl's head, we specifically shaped it like a box because he's supposed to be contained within his house, within his old ideas. And Russell is a big balloon. And the way that the balloons elevate the house to new heights, Russell is able to elevate Carl through that hardship and allow him to realize there's plenty more to life than what you've experienced before. Just because you've suffered loss doesn't mean there isn't more out there for you to explore. And without Russell, you don't have any of that. There's no story at all without Russell allowing him to come out of his shell and blossom again. I don't think Russell was the motivator for him to come out of his shell. It was the book. Yeah, but Russell led him to that book. I think him reading the book realized that it never wasn't a grand adventure. It was never them going off to travel. The adventure was the two of them and how they made it through life together. And Russell picks up on that too because all he remembers of his time with his dad is the little boring moments. He's like, that's what I remember. That's the adventure we have. People think 
it's going to be. We're going to travel the world together. But it's the mundane every day that we choose to be with somebody else, forging through life together. And I feel like that's what this movie was about. And that's what he realized, like, oh, I did it all for her already. She was happy. It wasn't this yeah like oh i never got her to paradise falls our dream never came true like that was her adventure was with him and i feel like russell brought that out in him too because it allowed him to explore that side so i don't know if russell brought it out it was when he looked at the book when he saw ellie's view of the world it allowed him to then say oh i gotta save this kid but he wasn't gonna save that kid until he looked at the book well the kid hadn't gone till he looked at the book yeah. <laughs> as far as he knew, Russell was still sitting on the rock pouting outside. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the characters. Carl. I thought Carl was a fantastic character. I thought his bond with Ellie was beautiful. I love the way he clings to her and to, as Craig said, to the photos and the memories of her even after her death. He feels so human and watching him struggle and suffer is so heartbreaking. Again, that's tremendous because he's a little cartoon man, but I'm feeling all of this for him. And I loved the way that Russell was Carl's foil. I thought they were a great, tremendous duo. I love their chemistry. I love the way they bounced off of each other. It's not anything crazy dynamic, but just to have two characters that you feel for, regardless of how stereotypical or archetypal they are. I don't know. They just meshed well enough for me that I had a great time watching them. It was with the side characters that I felt like there was a lot of kind of eh moments, but Carl himself, I thought was a great character and I really enjoyed watching him develop. I loved Carl too. And I loved his whole story because theoretically he could have gone at any time to Paradise Falls after Ellie passed away. He chose to go at a time when he felt society had no use for him anymore. They're going to ship him off to Shady Oaks. He had no agency. And that's what a lot of people do with the elderly. He still had something to provide and nobody else saw that. And so that was it. He's packing up. He's shipping out. I love that we saw a senior as an action hero. He was kicking ass on the top of that blimp. He wasn't just a protagonist. He He still had a contribution and it was large. And I loved seeing that. Yeah, me too. No matter how many times you watch Rocky Balboa or you listen to <laughs> Eye of the Tiger, you ain't going from old geezer McGee to Jackie Chan <laughs> in the span of an hour and a half. It's a That's okay. He did it with all of his, like his Kate, his walker, his little walker thing and his teeth. Well, that's like, my whole thing, right? Is I thought, I thought you could have an old man as a hero without needing him to be an action star. And why can't he? Yeah, but but re- remember who he was fighting, right? Why does he need to be? Why do you have why do you have to be physically strong to be a hero? Because we don't we don't have that. We don't have that. We've never seen that. He was fighting a guy who was twenty years older yeah. than him and he was in his seventies. So yeah, the seventy year old guy beat the shit out of the ninety year old guy. <laughs> no one should be surprised to learn that. I like the fact that he wasn't physically strong. He was a hero, but he wasn't. He beat a guy on the street, Jordan. Every hero in media, Marvel, whatever, DC, everyone is a superhero. They punch the shit out of all of their bad guys. So you have a guy here and he's an old man. And what what did the creators do? They make him punch the shit out of everyone just like every other hero. I thought this was a great opportunity to take a character who was different and develop him as a hero in a unique way. And they didn't do any of that. And I hated the fact that he was fighting like Solid Snake at the end of this. And leave him as a fragile senior citizen you wanted him to fit into that stereotype so sticking with pixar what about wally he was our he was a hero but he wasn't a rock'em sock'em robot i just love that he could why do we need to have another depiction of an old man yeah let him fight with his cane and his teeth he blew a house up with 
balloons that would take like three years to do like let him fight i don't care i thought it was awesome to see yeah i was okay with it because he it wasn't all the way through he he had like a little burst of adrenaline and i did like how they both raised their hands above their heads and kind of locked up yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was they yeah, definitely that was, acknowledged that. the fact that they were both old yeah i liked that and i think that you could have in a universe where those balloons could lift that house to south america yeah I, I can suspend my disbelief that he could have a few minutes of courageous action and i think when you look a lot of stuff he did was like sliding i assume that in real life he would have shattered his femurs when he <laughs> hit the uh the bottom of the uh air yeah <laughs> but i can suspend that i read that they brought on like a physicist to calculate how many balloons it would actually take to lift up a house and it was something like 26 million balloons and they quickly just threw that out the window because it looked awful in test film <laughs> All right. What about Russell? I loved Russell. I loved that he was a chubby Asian kid who loved exploring and neither the fact that he was chubby nor Asian had any bearing on the film whatsoever. It was a great way to introduce an Asian character without having them be the Asian stereotype that is doctor in every single film I've seen in the last like 15 years. It was cool. It was a nice touch of color. I loved him. Yeah. I thought Russell was a fun character. He was a goofy, know-nothing kid with good intentions. He, he was a, the foil to Carl. Carl was my favorite character. I, I think of all the characters, I identify with Carl the most. A hundred percent. Are you agreeing that you uh, <laughs> identify with Carl or that I should agree, identify with Carl? No, I'm surprised that you guys don't identify with Russell. Russell's a great guy. You know, I might have to disagree with you here, Chris. I think Russell was necessary for the plot to move along because even if Carl had gotten his house to Paradise Falls and then he found the book and then he read the whole book and it would have got to the last page and said, have an adventure without me, he probably would have just... He'd almost lost his understanding of what an adventure was or what an adventure could be. It was this adventure with Russell that inspired him to seek out more and to pursue that and develop that relationship. Yeah. Hell, he becomes Russell's frickin' pseudo-dad at the end of the film. Oh, I cried then too. This actually upset me. I loved Russell, and I was really looking forward to Carl being a mediator to connect Russell with his father, who's absent, but who Russell still clearly loves. But they didn't do that at all. There was no confrontation scene. Carl just becomes Russell's dad, and I thought that was such a missed opportunity. Sometimes dads aren't there. Sometimes a kid doesn't get their dad back. Sometimes dads leave. But you at least have to try. I really wanted Sometimes that Sometimes they go on spaceships. <laughs> what's, what's the Tony Stark quote? Sometimes dads leave. There's no use being a little baby about it. Yeah, I think that was perfect. That I did respect. Even if Russell's dad said, piss off, you little shit, I would have liked to at least see an attempt. Yeah, but I think it's pretty true, this, the dads who, who disappear. I know a few friends, they're divorced, and the, the dads just vanish. And sometimes they'll, like, they'll even set up a second family with kids that they like pay all the attention in the world to. Yep. And the other kid doesn't exist. I think that would be representative for a lot of kids. So I think so yeah. as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it was it was very necessary, especially for the time that the movie came out. You know, fatherless households are very common, especially in North America. And to have this main character, Russell, who has this realistically non-existent relationship with his father, his father's not there, that probably spoke to a lot of kids who saw this movie. Yeah. 
I agree. That cut deep when Carl asked, why do you call her mother by her first name? And he just goes, that's not my mother. So his mother has left him. Either she's passed away or she's moved on. And now his father's not in his life. So the only one looking after him is someone who he d- clearly doesn't really have a strong affinity for. Oh, no, no, no. His I mom's still in the picture. I think he lives with his mom. Yeah. 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 But do you ever see Carl's actual mom? Yeah. yeah at the, the, at the end. end. She's at his ceremony where he gets the badge. I thought that was the stepmom. No. No, no, no just, she wouldn't go. She's got, she's got Doug. Yeah, the stepmom tells him not to call the dad because he bothers yeah, him. Like she's right. not going to go to his ceremony. Oh, and a dad's not going to connect with your son when you have a new wife who talks to your children like that. Yeah, I thought it was perfect how it played out. Speaking of the badge ceremony, do we all get an assisting the elderly badge for helping Chris set up his microphone? <laughs> Die in a fire. <laughs> He's not that old. You didn't help me set up my microphone at all. Fuck. As the second oldest person here, leave him alone. It'll be my turn soon. All right, let's. We got a couple more characters we'll run through. We'll do them in a bunch. We got Doug, Kevin, and Mr. Bad Guy Munst. Any thoughts on those guys? Doug and Kevin suck, and I don't understand how Mr. Bad Guy Munst is still even alive. Yeah, I was trying to do the math. Are you reading my yeah. notes? That's what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, because like if he was like, I was trying to figure if he was like thirty when Ellie and Carl were like what nine or ten. Yeah. And we figure Carl is about seventy. Yeah, he's got to be in his early, at least his early 70s. Right. So that means 60 more years. So Munce is at least 90 years old. What if he's also found the Holy Grail and he's just immortal now? <laughs> That's why he went off to Paradise Falls. The bird was just a cover. Then I can't wait for up two. <laughs> oh, I hope there's not an up two. When he gets the infinity gauntlet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hated Doug and Kevin. The film's introduction is so rooted in realistic struggles, trying to save money, paying for bills, medical issues, that the fact that the rest of the film is filled with hunting dinosaurs and talking dogs, I feel like there's such a disconnect between what I attached myself to in the beginning and what I was given at the end. They're there for the kids to laugh, but when we're looking at this film in the context of top 100 films of all time and not top 100 kids films of all time, I don't think it gets any sort of shield. You just got to talk about it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And Doug and Kevin suck. It was inconsistent. It t- yeah. it forced it to tell an inconsistent story. Yeah, I thought they were just more ploys to move around the general development of Carl. Like I I didn't get too invested in Kevin's plight with her children and Doug's. Like sure, I got a couple of laughs whenever he talked about seeing things in gray. That was good. <laughs> that whole part was kind of to the background for me, and I was focused on just the story of Carl's development. Fun fact, dogs actually don't see in black and white. They see in shades of blue and yellow. So oh, They didn't check their facts. Nice try, Pixar. Yeah, Pixar, come on. I liked Munz. I liked that he was just this crazy old dude with a grudge against society that shunned him, and he was just going to all these extreme heights to catch a damn bird. Like, all of the technological developments he's experienced on this island would have put him on the map as a genius, but he's like, no, I can hide all this technology because <laughs> I got to get this bird. I got to get this bird. He's been there 60 years. <laughs> That guy has been there 60 years trying to find a damn bird. Yeah, that was so unbelievable. Can you imagine? Ridiculous. Now, now to be fair, you know, we shouldn't count this movie on its believability. 38 balloons floated a house to South America (laughs) or whatever. That's how I'm going to commute to work in 2021. I, I feel like you'd eventually get bored or maybe just like after 60 years, you'd be like, maybe I was just wrong (laughs) or maybe they're, maybe they're extinct or something. The parts that were fun for kids were the worst parts of the movie, and that is a 32-year-old person saying that. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I agree, and I don't think it has to be that way because you look at Pixar's other films like Finding Nemo. There's a lot for kids to enjoy there, but there's an excellent plot and great symbolism about what it means to be a father and the bond between father and son layered just underneath that seamlessly meshes with all the comedy and Dory and all that crap. So I don't know. I think this is a swing and a miss and Pixar's done better. Definitely. It had great elements, but there's there was just too much that didn't flow into this cohesive picture. I, I disagree. I don't remember anything about Finding Nemo, but I remember seeing Up and I remember what I liked about Up. My biggest problem with Kevin is they made him too stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, like, he didn't need to be that dumb. I can bleep you if you want to just utter some awful profanity. No, I don't, fine. I, I don't trust you. <laughs> there were certain things about Kevin that I, to that point, I really didn't like, which was how did he end up staying on that house and following the mall, the dogs and everybody into that cave where he knows the mortal enemy he knows these dogs have been chasing him for 60 or her for 60 years and just yeah sure i guess i'll just hide up on this house and let them drag me into their lair like come on this this animal should have just fled for the hills chocolate man i'm pretty sure it's not the same bird for 60 years well you don't know that how did it have babies Yeah, wait, where's the other word? Where's Mr. Kevin? It can't be the skeleton, because that's 60 years old, no. unless he's babies age very slow. You don't know what the slow. gestation period yeah. of a Kevin bird is? 59 years. I'm pretty years. sure it's not 60 years. I'm no biologist, but I'm pretty sure it's not 60 years. <laughs> well, I don't think a Kevin bird's a real thing. I was waiting for you to say birdologist, and now I'm disappointed. Uh, it's ornithologist. <laughs> ornithologist, put that back here. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't know what how long it takes a Kevin bird to hatch. It could be 60 years. <laughs> All right, all right, enough about damn Kevin. Let's move on. Music, what do you guys think of the music? The OST. This was Michael Giacchino. This was his third film with Pixar. He did Incredibles, he did Ratatouille, he did this film. What do you guys think? Yeah, I thought the music was good. It wasn't the standout part of the film, but it was good. It it set a decent tone, I guess, and it it was nice, especially the credit. I thought the credits music was nice. It was unmemorable for me. Yeah, not memorable, but all right. No, it was great. I went back. I re-listened to the OST. There's some great songs. If anything, please go back and re-listen to Giving Months the Bird and Stuff We Did with two of my favorite tracks, and they're fantastic. You don't need the context of the film. Pop these on your Spotify playlist. They freaking rock. I'm a big fan of all these orchestral swells and these epic drums, and no expense was spared on this soundtrack. It's great, and I think it matches the tone and what's going on screen perfectly, and I think if you don't think the music is good, you probably weren't listening hard enough for it. Yeah, I don't think any of us said it wasn't good. It just wasn't the yeah, standout part of the film, that's all. It was meh. It wasn't terrible. You just talked about how much of the film was meh. <laughs> I think, if anything, if what was on screen was meh, you should have been paying more attention to the music. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Sounds like Chris was entirely whelmed. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be honest. This is the first film on all the... Like, this is episode nine, and it's the first one where I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch this. I watched this last night. Usually I have it watched in the week like Wednesday or Thursday and we're recording on Sunday so I made it to Saturday before I watched it. Chris, what was your favorite part? Was it the intro? I think we're all probably pretty unanimous it was on the intro. Is there anything other than the intro that really spoke to you as being particularly great? Because we've been really harsh on this film so we should at least talk about something that was good if we liked something else. I liked everything with Carl. In my mind I'm trying to edit it down so it's just a story about him with I could actually you could get rid of russell you could get rid of kevin i would actually keep doug i think fuck off no no i think i think that doug instead of russell yes holy shit 
I think that that you could have created some kind of conflict that involved Doug. An old man and a dog. Yeah. You and Michael Camino are going to be the two directors in Hollywood who still can't get a job. <laughs> <after this. laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. No, but I really, I, I like... <laughs> I didn't like Kevin. I I think you could have done a 45-minute movie that was just Carl. You, you get that beautiful intro. Carl assaults an innocent construction worker. He goes <laughs> to... Yeah, he, he was innocent. innocent. is a subjective. He was stealing his mailbox. Then he, go, then he goes That's to... That's not what was happening. He was trying to help fix it. <laughs> After he yeah. broke it. Yes, he should. Yeah. It was an accident. He apologized and said, I'm sorry. Let me help with that. And then instead of taking his hands off of it, he thought it was okay to keep on holding on to something that wasn't his no means no we all agree that that was a justified assault but it was still an assault yes so then he, he somehow gets to venezuela he meets doug there's some conflict with doug that this was in south africa or is venezuela in south africa oh Fuck. jordan did i say south africa oh my god you said god. venezuela you are a nightmare <laughs> jordan costa is, that where, is venezuela technically classified as part of south america yes what do you mean oh, technically like there's no like there's a gray area jordan. where it's in the middle of the atlantic ocean and but they technically <laughs> qualify it no it's not between south, jordan, I love you, south but america oh my god, and dude. africa Oh my god, look at a fucking map. I don't know if you can see. It's kind of this big one at the top yeah, here. It's oh, kind of this, fuck. you know, this giant country. Okay, point point at Venezuela. This she one. is. It's right there. Oh, god damn it. Yeah, there's no ambiguity. Hi, Jose. Right. Yeah, that's oh, where Jose's Jordan. from. And he's going to love this episode. I thought it was a little island off the shore, to be honest. That's a little country. You barely even notice it. Oh. All right. One part of the film that I really liked that wasn't the intro was use of color. Yes. I loved it. So Carl and Ellie finish painting their house and it's all these sorts of colors. It's beautiful. He's a balloon salesman. There's color everywhere in this introductory sequence. But as soon as you transition on and Carl's in this construction site, it's grays, it's browns, it's a lot of bland colors. And even his house, his house is faded. All these vibrant colors are now very muted. And what color represents is life. And as soon as he releases the balloons, that's when color is reintroduced into the film and he flies off. And that is breathing life into Carl. He's finally fighting back against this shit he's having to put up with. And that's his his emotion and his strength and his perseverance flourishing in the form of color. And it was beautiful. All these vibrant reds and greens and blues up on there. And then you get to South America. And again, the whole place is beautiful. And Kevin is full of color as well. And I thought that was just a really subtle touch that probably would go unnoticed, but I thought was a really cool cool element of the film i agree yeah yeah it was fantastic yeah the color was really well done i do have a question about the balloons i don't know if you guys can answer this for me but how is it that when he releases the balloons out of the house then they have enough lift to carry the house but when they're inside the house they don't have enough lift to carry the house canvas in this universe is very very heavy (laughs) (laughs) ah Okay. I was just trying to figure that out myself. That's all. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing, but I'm like, that's okay. Suspension of disbelief. But it's a cartoon. So, like, if I'm going to believe that 3,000 balloons lift this house at all, I have to believe that it's when they get outside, I guess. Excuse me. Excuse me, Pete Doctor, Mr. Director. I'm going to need to see your PhD in physics mm. before I'm ready <laughs> to see this film in theaters. <laughs> I'm very skeptical of the logistics. <laughs> The scenes where the house is floating through the sky, like I'm like, oh, that is just gorgeous. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. All of the art assets and the styling was great. I got one question for you guys. Was this not just an alternate reality retelling of King Kong? 
I got more Bobby Dick than King Kong. Can you explain? I haven't seen OG King Kong, so I'm going to reference Peter Jackson King Kong, where Jack Black goes across to hunt the monster and bring it back. Isn't that not Muntz's entire story here? It's the Moby Dick. Okay, so King Kong is Moby Dick, and Up is Also King Moby Kong. Dick. Wait, you think Up was the story of King Kong? Muntz's story. No, I'm just saying there was a lot of similar elements. Like, Muntz's whole story was just Jack Black and King Kong. Okay. And then Kevin kidnapped a woman and took it to the top of the waterfall? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then the United States Air Force, or at least in this case, the Venezuelan Air Force. Oh, wait, that actually did happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. All right. Does anyone have anything they want to bring up before we rank these suckers? My favorite part was the ending. I loved the ending. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like the the post credit? No, no, no. It was just the story of when they get back and at the Boy Scout ceremony and Carl steps in. I loved that part. I would have been pissed off if it was his dad. Me too. I absolutely think it was an incredible part of the the whole movie there. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. You know, this, this bonding that he had with this kid, this is his new adventure as being a father figure to this child, something he never got to do. Oh, nice during his his marriage for reasons yo when they find out they're infertile or they're having yeah. a miscarriage it's heartbreaking holy heart shit. shattering mm-hmm. it was that's metal as hell and then you have this kid this lonely kid who doesn't have a relationship with his father standing up there alone waiting to get his badge to become a senior explorer and he looked so proud and there's this old yeah. man who's his friend that he now gets Robin. to share this adventure with and absolutely tears coming out of my eyes. Beautiful, beautiful moment. And then it fades nicely. You know, they have the the moment where they're sitting out, they're eating ice cream, but when it fades into the credits scene and the credits start to roll, the credits are Ellie's book of adventures, but it's Carl adding more pages into Ellie's book with him and Russell doing just like learning how to do all kinds of like sewing and, and doing all kinds of great, just awesome adventures. The musical cups. Oh, they uh, telephone, yeah. Yeah, doing the the cups. Uh, they had they had uh, telephone cups on the soup the soup soup can. Yeah, they had the telephone cups up as they were announcing who is sound director. Oh, I didn't catch that. That was really cool, and they did lots of little things related to who was doing specific parts of the film. That could have been done with the dog though, too. No, Chris. <laughs> no, get this. The stupid dog is the worst. This goes back to last week where I said the dog and the kid were basically the same thing, and now you're agreeing with me. <laughs> it's a different week. That fucking dog. Oh my god, the talking dog. Talking about all of these great Russell moments just has me mad at Chris. He doesn't like <laughs> Russell because now I'm feeling all. I'm sorry. I just I'm feeling good for my boy. Russell not having a father figure and that really hamstringing him. And then at the end, Carl gets what he needs out of Russell and Russell gets what he needs out of Carl. It's just a beautiful, beautiful moment. I read this as the first time Disney touched on divorce as a reason for parents not being together. Up until then, it was always a widow, widower situation. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so yes, it could have been a kid, just not Russell. I actually would have probably enjoyed it a little bit more, honestly, if it was a spunky young girl that reminded him kind of of his wife. Oh, shit, yeah. All right, we are going to rank up amongst the movies we have seen thus far. If you're listening on YouTube, you can check the description for a link containing a spreadsheet of all of our individual lists to follow along. But Sarah, where are you going to put up? Number one, I love this story. Holy shit. I connected with it. I loved it. 
Craig, where's Up going? I gotta tell you, I have a really, really hard time ranking this one. There are parts of it that I absolutely love, and there are parts of it that I can absolutely, definitely 100% just straight up pass on. And most of the, the passes involve stupid Kevin and stupid... Uh, Doug? Stupid Doug. So I'm placing this one third between Reservoir Dogs and Dr. Zhivago. Well, I'm placing up in number seven, right under Deer Hunter and right above Seven Oof. Samurai. Because while this film does some things amazingly well, I think it is burdened by a lot burdened, of huh? the comic <laughs> relief and childish elements. How about you, Chris? Where's this guy going? It looks like it is going to go right between Airplane and Seven Samurai. And what number is that? Uh, Seven? Oh, so we're both putting it at seventh place. I didn't know. I didn't know there'd be counting involved. <laughs> Very cool. And what are we watching next week? We're gonna watch Rocky. Ooh. And where can our audience check that out? Looks like if you want to watch an HD stream in Canada, you can catch it on Netflix. If you want to go 4K, it's strictly a rent option on uh, Google or Apple. Of course, you can get it on uh, the Apple iTunes, Cineplex, and Microsoft Store to rent. Very cool, and I would like to extend a special thank you to our supporters on Patreon.com, Travis Laporte, Jim Wamsley, Frank Costa, and, fuck, Jack Meoff. <laughs> if you would like to support the show, there is a Patreon link at the top of the YouTube description box. Your support is never required, but always appreciated. Any affiliated social media links will be in the description down below if you want to check out more Chris McMullen or myself. But until next time, we will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.